this morning trying to be as bassy as i possibly can here hopefully you're doing well today this is the eighth day of hanukkah and uh, we celebrate that because of jesus Uh, there are jewish people who celebrate it because of only because of what took place in jerusalem uh actually in moraim uh then over to jerusalem uh, and then specifically to the temple uh, in around 165 BC uh, with Antiochus Epiphanes saying, you all must worship these gods and uh, Mattathihu and Judah and the rest of the brothers saying, we will not bow, we will fight. They fought. God gave them victory. God gave them uh, a sustained light through a very small amount of oil, and God did all those things through them. And 
we would celebrate with our Jewish brothers and sisters the acts of God in all of that, but it paved the way for Jesus. And we remember that we look at John chapter 10, verse 22, and see there that Jesus was at the Feast of Dedication, which is the Hanukkah celebration. And uh, so he's celebrating Hanukkah. Why do we not, why not us celebrate Hanukkah? And so for, I don't know, three or four years now, uh, it has become part of our rhythm uh, to at least uh, discuss and think about, meditate, pray, the various prayers and whatnot of Hanukkah. And uh, today is the last day of Hanukkah, and we celebrate together this day all that God has done. Now, there's certainly a contrast between God's holiness and the state of the desecrated temple uh, that that greatly disturbed the Israelites. Remember, what type of animal did uh, Antiochus Epiphanes use on the altar? He used a swine. Swine was not kosher. Swine was unclean. You know, uh, bacon is not something you should serve to a Jewish person, nor is a nice pork tenderloin or anything like that. Barbecue, unless it's barbecue beef, then that would be acceptable to a Jewish person. And what did they do? Uh, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes and his henchmen, they set up in the temple and they uh, set up the idol of Zeus and they set up uh, the altar to have the sacrifice of a pig, and they desecrated the temple. That was not holy. And they took out the light. They put out the menorah. So there's no light of God. There's no holiness of God. There's no sanctity of God. None of that thing. It's all been desecrated. Really, really, really uh, are desecrating the temple. Now, to think about that, I mean, they they earnestly desired, after they recaptured the temple, they earnestly desired to set things right, to present their holy God, a renewed and pure dwelling, uh, a dwelling for him himself. And so through the miracle of the oil, God himself made it possible for his people to rededicate the temple to him. Uh, and for some, they believe that's why it was eight days, because apparently the the first dedication of the temple was a time that lasted eight days. So now this lasts eight days. Some would say no, it's because they uh, did not get to celebrate the festival of Sukkot, which is Sukkot is the festival of booths, tents, if you will, uh, which was an eight-day festival. They didn't get to celebrate that. So they said, let's make this an eight-day dedication. Now, scriptures tell us uh, that we as believers in Yeshua, we ourselves are the temple of God. His spirit dwells within us. Hanukkah entreats us, challenges us, provides for us the opportunity to examine our own hearts and our own lives and our own sanctity. Uh, and with renewed enthusiasm to, uh, because of the gospel, because of the work of Christ, to rededicate our lives to God. So this Feast of Dedication beckons us to renew our commitment to follow Jesus closely, to trust all things to him. The battles, they trusted the battles to him. The battle that, that uh, you know, when, when Mattathihu took out that sword and cut off the ear 
No, sorry, that's the wrong story. That's New Testament. That's Peter, and that is uh, taking out the sword and cutting off the ear of the, the high priest's servant. Now, uh, Mattathihu took out the sword and, and killed the, the Greek soldier, uh, Syrian soldier, Greek soldier, Greco-Syrian, they're called. So soldier representing uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, when he killed him, that began the revolt. That re- that began the, the turning over. Sometimes turning over, sometimes uh, renewal requires uh, some uh, profound act, like this profound act, uh, some risky Act. This was a risky act of Mattathihu to kill this Greek soldier. Um, sometimes the beginning of renewal begins with something so severe uh, or so uh, incredible uh, as what happened with Mattathihu and that soldier. And that began the revolt. That, re- that began the return. You could be a person that God would use to to bring about a return. I mean, God could do that through you uh, as you would be radically dedicated to him as you in your church service, wherever it might be, if your knees allow, would, would be one who would who would bow the knee. You know, who cares? Everybody else is standing up. Uh, maybe if the Lord leads you to bow the knee, you would bow the knee and that, that God maybe would use you to... Uh, begin spiritual awakening, to begin revival, to begin a sense of earnestness on the part of God's people. Mattathihu, for for him, it was a sword and a Greek soldier. For us, it could be as simple as bowing the knee in that front row that usually sits empty in, in our church. At least it used to. I haven't been there in a long time now because of being other places. Um, but how would God use you? It took that type of an act on the part of Mattathihu to really, uh, really begin to turn things around, and for us to to think through how might God use you in this type of a way. The feast of dedication beckons us to renew our commitment to follow Jesus closely, to trust him in all things, to let him transform us on deeper levels than ever before. That is what the Feast of Dedication will do for us. The Feast of Hanukkah. So on this eighth night, we search our hearts before God who has given us so much and we offer him our lives afresh. We turn over to him all that stands in the way of being wholly committed to him and rededicate ourselves to faithfully follow him. That that would be what we would do uh, on this eighth night. And so even this morning, it's not night, it's morning, that we would say, Lord, I want to be wholly dedicated to you this morning, to look to you, to trust in you, for others to see me with a gaze toward God. That's what I want to do. So we would begin the night with the prayers. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and has given us Yeshua the Messiah, the light of the world. Same prayer every night. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. And I said how that could become the beginning of our prayers. Um, 
all of our prayers, blessed are you, Lord, our God, who has given us this, uh, this exchange. Uh, blessed are you, Lord, our God, who's given us these lights. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe. Don't want to forget the King of the universe because that really stresses. Uh, I mean, he's not just the King of attractive land, the size of Delaware. He's the King of the entire universe. All of it. He's the King of it. So blessed are you, Lord, our God, a King of the universe who's performed miracles for our ancestors. Uh, in those days at this time. So again, we'd use the Shamish candle, uh, the servant candle to light the other candles. And you're going to write uh, light from right to left all the way across tonight, all the candles being lit. Um, and we would think about these various scriptures from the book of Colossians chapter one, verses 17 and 18. We will read these verses, Colossians 1, 17 and 18. Let me get us there. Try to get the screen set so that you're not uh, being made dizzy by watching it move here. Here we go. In fact, we'll begin at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That is him. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This passage causing us to think about all that Jesus has accomplished, all that he is, but in verse 18, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, that can be a tall order. I mean, for us to think about, hmm, does Christ have the supremacy in my breakfast this morning? Does Christ have the supremacy in my uh, worship at Christmas Eve? For us, we're going to Bangor Christmas Eve to celebrate uh, Christmas Eve in, in Bangor. Probably at the Rock Church. I'm not sure. We're just trying to decide if it's going to be the Rock or Cross Point. Uh, one of those churches on Christmas Eve will be uh, where, where we'll end up. But even there. He would have the supremacy in our Christmas Eve celebration. Uh, he would have the, the supremacy uh, in our work today, whatever our work is. My One of my first works this morning after this and getting to Bangor is to record a television uh, commercial. So the, in that, he would have the supremacy. Uh, in letter writing, sending emails, doing if, if you have contracts, you need to do whatever it might be if you're caring for people. Uh uh, if you're seeing your family members today, uh, whatever it might be, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. That is the goal, that he would have supremacy. Other passages that we might consider might come from uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 11. Luke 5, 11 Put that up there on the screen for you. Jesus' invitation to the disciples to follow him. 
Verse 9 says that he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. Jesus had instructed them, and they had an incredible haul of fish. And it says, and so were James and John. They were astonished. The sons of Zebedee, called the sons of thunder, Simon's partners, uh, this in the fishing town of Capernaum. Then they said to Simon, don't be afraid. I'm sorry. Then Jesus said to Simon, let me get that right. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And the idea of catching men is the idea of evangelism. So, so verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. And that, that thought to leave everything and follow him. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do that? How do we leave everything and follow him? Now, for some of us, we're called, I left the family farm. That's what I left. That would have been mine. Uh, I, I could have had, uh, you know, a couple hundred acres and a couple a couple hundred head of uh, cows. There's a difference between cattle and cows, just for the record. Cows give milk. Cattle provide meat. At least that's a distinction in my mind. Uh, so I, I left the farm. I left the tractors. And, and I'll tell you, and Walter will, will agree with this, farming was a good life. Didn't pay much, but it was a good life. I liked farm life. But I was called to leave that to follow Jesus. And there might be things we don't might not have to leave our whole life. We might not, might not have to leave our livelihood. Uh, but maybe there's some other thing he wants you to leave behind and follow him. Only you would know what that is. Sometimes it's leaving our sins and following him. Uh, sometimes it's leaving our pleasures and following him. Sometimes it's leaving our comfort and following him. But to leave everything and to follow him. Another one of the passages that would come to mind to us today, this eighth day of Hanukkah, in uh, down to verse 42, I, I just want to go down there a little further and highlight something. No, not verse 42. Well, I'm not going to go where I thought. I got to go back because the verse that I was thinking about is not in this place. So I don't want to act smarter than I am. Uh, I will have to go find that verse because now it's bothering me. But I'm not going to tell you what the verse is because I don't want you to be sidetracked either. But the idea to leave it all and to follow after Jesus. What else? Psalm 37 and verse 5. I'll take you there. And uh, here it is. It tells us to commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways and they carry out their wicked schemes. Just don't fret. In fact, you can go back up to verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. 
It doesn't say, you know, give, give a little bit to God and he's going to give you the desires of your heart or send your check and God's going to give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't say that. It says delight yourself in the Lord. The idea of delighting when you find pleasure in to find pleasure in God and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him. Trust in him and he will do this. So, uh, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. That is the call this time of year at Hanukkah to trust in him. Absolutely. Those are some of the verses that we would consider. What about you today? What do you need to trust him with? Is there something going on in your life that, that he, you need to trust him with? Um. For me, uh, I am trusting him for provisions for uh, our school this year. And I just got an email about a a $25,000 gift, and I'm grateful for that. And it has been sent to the school. So grateful for that. Um, And I don't have to raise at our school the type of money other people have to raise, but still it is... It, it is uh, quite sobering to think about raising, uh, you know, one hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for our school, which is not the type of money that's been raised in the last few years. But asking God to help us do that—that's something I have to trust God for this year. I need to trust God for uh, my friends in Africa uh, and their needs. You know, I, I've been talking with my own family about. You know, well, we're thinking about how to get more and more gifts for each other. I'm thinking about Joseph, uh, my friend, uh, Joseph Narizi, and, uh, you know, their family that they probably don't have gifts. They're just going to be glad to be together and have some food, you know, and, and for us, as we stack it up, uh, and, and your house might be different, you know, and, and uh, for me, I'm going to make a suggestion to our family that, okay, you know, maybe a $10 gift is something that's saying, hey, I'm thinking of you, but rather let's let's put that money in a kitty and see how much money we can come up with to give away to, to somebody that needs it. I think that that type of altruism uh, would be far, far better uh, for our souls. We don't need anything. There's nothing that we need. We're, we're amply provided for, well, maybe more cookies, but because we ate them all. But beyond that, we don't need anything um, at all. We're amply provided for and so grateful to Christ for all he does. But what do you need to bring to him today? Where do you need to trust him today? You know, it's, it's, I know some of you are trusting him for provision so you can pay your rent. I know that. Some of you are trusting him for provision so you can buy your grandkids some, some presents. I know that some of you are trusting him for uh, just absolutely uh, incredible works uh, in someone else's life. Some of you are trusting him as you take steps of faith. I don't know what, where the Lord is calling you to trust him today. I know he called uh, and it was almost just so uh, intuitive on the part. Uh, it was impulsive on the part of Mattathai who to take the sword and kill the Greek soldier. It was impulsive, but it led to something marvelous and God used it. How does God want to use you today? What does God want to do in your life today? What does he want to do through your life today? That is our that is our thought. As we think of this feast of dedication to be dedicated to God, uh, 
Maybe it's cleansing, cleansing of sin in our lives. Maybe it is uh, that's something that maybe you need to do. Uh, maybe it is dedicating something to him. Maybe it is sharing Christ with someone, uh, whatever it might be that we would be dedicated. So we conclude with this prayer, faithful father, even when our devotion to you is inconsistent, you never waver in your commitment to us. You've given us freedom. You've given us life. Help us to trust you more fully and follow you more steadfastly. In this moment, Lord, in this moment right now, we rededicate ourselves to you, knowing there is no better hands in which we can rest. Thank you for this Hanukkah season when we celebrate Yeshua, the light of the world, when we think about our dedication to him and the victory that Jesus won for us. Thank you, Father for making the way for us to know your transforming love. Draw us ever closer as we dedicate ourselves afresh to you this day in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen. Friends, have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Happy Hanukkah.